0: Hey everyone, this is Caleb and I am grateful that you've decided to spend a few minutes today here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. And here on the Learner's Corner we do three things. The first is that we create a safe place to have difficult conversations. Second we believe we learn from anyone and from everyone. And third, we learn from anything and from everything, regardless of whatever that may be. And today, I am honored to be joined by AJ Jacobs. And let me tell you a little bit about AJ and why I am so excited to bring this conversation to you uh, today. A.J. is a journalist, lecturer, and human guinea pig who has written four best-selling books, including Drop Dead Healthy and The Year of Living Biblically, and they blend memoir, science, humor, and a dash of self-help. He is also a contributor to NPR, The New York Times, and Esquire, among other media outlets. He also lives in New York City with his family, and he Uh, was once the answer to uh, one down in the New York Times crossword puzzle, and he has authored this brand new book called The Puzzler, which is his journey to learning more about puzzles. And here's why I'm excited to bring this conversation, because AJ learns from so many different things from so many different subjects and we get into that and talk about kind of his, his process for how to learn the things and um, just what he does to learn things in general as well and we're going to talk about puzzles and what we can learn from that as well. I do want to let you know that uh, if you are enjoying this content, the best way to keep up with this is to, you know, subscribe to my newsletter, which details all of the things that I'm learning from and subscribe to this podcast as well. If you have something that you would love us to cover on the podcast or something that you would love us to cover, the best way to reach out uh, to me is learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Now, without any further wait, here is my conversation with AJ Jacobs. Well, AJ, I'm so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Oh, well, thank you, Caleb. I love
1: the whole idea of your podcast. I mean, that to me, the learning learning is everything. Curio- and we'll talk about this, yeah. but curiosity is my favorite emotion. Is it an emotion or a drive? Whatever it is, it's my favorite.
0: Yeah, I, and you know, uh, we're going to talk about your, your brand new book, which has come out called, uh, the puzzler. Uh, but I do want to start with, uh, curiosity and learning just as you mentioned, and I would be, um, you know, very intrigued just to hear for you. Do you remember like the first or one of the first times that you became curious about something or you realized this drive for learning in yourself?
1: That's a good question. I certainly, I've had it since I was a kid. I'm not the smartest person or the, uh, you know, the best looking, certainly not the most athletic, but I am, I would say in the 99th percentile of curiosity, I just really want to learn. And so I, my bookshelf when I was a kid was, I love those like fascinating facts, like, uh, you know, opossums have 13 nipples type of books. I don't know if that, that happens to be true. I don't know if it was in any of the books, but, uh, Anyway, I've always loved it because I just am driven to understand everything, and uh, and we'll talk about this more. But if you look at the world as one big puzzle to solve, I find it very inspiring.
0: Yeah, and and I would be curious to hear, and you know, anyone who is uh, familiar with you know all of your work, like you you write and learn and you know create these books about so many like a variety of so many different subjects and is that like just the result of following i mean i imagine part of it is following your curiosity and stuff but i would just be curious like to just kind of hear what that that whole process looks like for you Of
1: sure yeah um, no i'm i'm very lucky because i feel like i've just been constantly um at you know, the most interesting college ever, because I've gotten to write about health, religion, uh, uh, gratitude, coffee, puzzles, the, the family, trees. So uh, I, I have a wide range of topics. And I guess in terms of choosing which topics I like, I like them big. So, you know, I wrote one book called The Year of Living Biblically. And the Bible's a big book. The Bible's a big topic. Um, Health. Health is like, you know, I could have spent uh, 20 years writing about health. Uh, So a a big topic, something I'm passionate about, something I can really dive into, something I don't know much about. I mean, I knew very little about religion. I was not interested in health, uh, and I was not particularly healthy. So I like learning so that the reader can come along on this journey and also self-improvement. I mean, the part of it is I go through these experiments and they are often incredibly unpleasant at times, uh, but they're off, you know, other times they're wonderful. So I'm trying to, uh, uh, for the readers, distill the good parts and the takeaways that they can use in their own life.
0: Yeah. Talk to me about... Like the whole thing of like deciding like, cause there's the things that, you know, you, you learn about and it's like, oh man, I, I am interested in this thing or, Hey, I want to read this book about this thing. Um, it's a very different thing to then go, no, I am, I am turning this into a profession or I'm writing a book about this. And so how do you, how do you distinguish between like, yep, I'm learning this purely. And I mean, not that you aren't learning for yourself, you know, through the other stuff, but how do you decide what to write a book about and what just to learn about?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, it has to be, as I say, it has to be big. It has to be something I'm passionate about. A lot of people have said, you know, try, why don't you try to master an instrument like the French horn? I'm just not passionate about it. Uh, I also have had a lot of suggestions that my wife has put the kibosh on, has said, no, thank you. Because she does have veto power, so I get a lot of readers who suggest I should try to become the greatest lover in the world and maybe master all the positions in the Kama Sutra or something. And my wife is like, no. Uh, and I have to say, I'm I'm okay. That does sound. I'm too old for that. I'm, I'm not flexible enough. But the, uh, but it has to be something like. And it also, I, I take some wrong turns. Uh, that's part of the creative process. Sorry, that's part of the creative process. That was a wrong turn. Uh, they uh, I, this book on puzzles actually came about only after I'd spent three months researching a, a whole different book about truth and what is truth mm. and the post-truth era, which I still think is a very interesting topic. But it wasn't speaking to me as a book.
0: Mm. Man, I uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the truth and the in the post-truth area at least at least what you can um remember because that's something that i'm like i'm that's something that i am very passionate about and learning about right now oh
1: good yeah no i still am and maybe i'll still be able to uh, i'll just tell you that the concept of the book was called fact checking my life and it was all about how do i know what i know how do i know the world is round i mean some people don't believe it how do i know that how do I know that two plus two equals four? How do I know my wife loves me? She says she loves me, but how do I really know? And uh, so I still think it's a fascinating topic. Um, the thesis of the book was, hopefully that there there is a truth that the, the truth, it's not all just competing narratives. It's not all just uh, anyone can say what they want and say it's the truth that and that science is the best way to approach that external truth. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's hard and science is not perfect. Science makes mistakes. Like we saw with COVID, they said, uh, you know, it's not airborne. It is airborne. So science is not perfect, but we shouldn't give up hope on it that there are, it's hard to find the truth. Uh, it's hard work. You have to roll up your sleeves, but, but it's a worthwhile endeavor.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to, uh, whenever you're learning about something, what are like, what has, you know, either practices that you've developed or something that has helped you like learn, like get the most out of what you're learning.
1: I love that question. I'd say one big one is to go in with, with no ax to grind meaning no, you, you know, a lot of us and I, I fall prey to this too is, the motivated reasoning. You have a conclusion, and you're looking for evidence to back it up. Whereas, for instance, with religion, it, you know, I uh, I grew up with no religion at all, so I was very secular, but I, I wanted to learn about religion, uh, and I didn't go in to try to either prove or disprove whether religion was good or bad, but I wanted to see both sides. What what religion offers and what it doesn't so i didn't go in like uh you know bill Maher's uh documentary on religion religulous or something something along those lines but he clearly had his thesis and he was going to prove it but i find in terms of learning um yeah a friend of mine wrote a book called the scout mindset and the idea is the scout mindset versus the soldier mindset the scout Meaning like explorer. Explorer, I think, is an easier word for it. Go in like an explorer with no preconceptions. Don't go in like a soldier, like I know what I want to find and I'm gonna find it.
0: Yeah. What what helps you have that explorer, that scout type mindset? Because just as you were saying, like we we all have a tendency to to uh to go after that soldier <laughs> mindset or that axe to grind mindset. What helps you like lower that?
1: I would say one thing is as you've got to um start loving being wrong you've got to embrace the idea that it's a, a sign of strength when you say uh i was totally wrong about that like I, for my new but the one that comes to mind just because we're yeah. talking about my my latest book is all about my love of puzzles the one type of puzzle i did not like was jigsaws i thought it was like it was like you know sort of the the loser genre of puzzles. It was not sophisticated. I was really, I was a little bit, uh, you know, I, 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 I was a little bit of a snob. So I apologize because I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Jigsaws can be amazing. They can be subtle and complex and they have all these fascinating strategies and, and they're wonderful. So I was an idiot and I am happy to say that. Uh, so I think we've got to You know, the more people who say, oh, I was wrong, um, the better. Mm -hmm. That is just uh, uh, if we can make that like a badge of honor instead of something to be shameful, shamed about, Mm -hmm. uh, that would be great.
0: Yeah. What's helped you become again? That's just a very unnatural like position to hold (laughs) (laughs) as well. And so like what's what's helped you become comfortable with that? Like, yep, I'm wrong. I hated jigsaw. And, you know, I was glad that I was so wrong about that. <laughs> That's a
1: great question i guess I guess if you reframe it so that it's the idea of being smart and being curious is all about being vulnerable and being good being excited about overturning your biases if you have that as a goal uh, then it's something to be proud of as opposed to something where you go out of your way to back up everything that you said. So yeah, I like being in conversations where I say, I never thought about it that way. That's you know that's a wonderful phrase for me.
0: Yeah, um, I, I'm very intrigued by, and again, maybe you were just saying it uh, top of head, maybe we could brainstorm a little bit, uh, but I'd be curious to hear, what do you think it would look like like to honor someone being wrong?
1: that is an interesting question. Well, there is a great website called, uh, it's on Reddit. It's a subreddit. I think it's called you changed my mind or I changed your mind. Um, but they give, they give like badges and awards to people who say, you know, I've changed my mind. You know, I didn't change it a hundred percent. You don't have to change it a hundred. Like you don't have to go from being, a you know, uh, a conservative Republican to being a, a full on liberal. But if you can just nuance your position, then you even get badges for that. Mm. So I like that. Like getting, you know, maybe there's something there. You get a sticker for <laughs> uh <laughs> for changing your mind, even if it's just a little.
0: Yeah. Uh what I guess what's something that you've changed your mind about recently?
1: All right. Well here's a small one, but it's Kind of important when when TikTok came out, uh, I was again a little snobbish, uh, and my kids loved it. And I was like, this is the worst brain rot. This is turning my kids into their brains into tapioca. This is terrible, it's so short attention span. But I've you know, you can't condemn the entire um TikTok just because there are some a lot of dumb videos. There are also some wonderful beautiful artistic creative videos and i i was just watching this amazing teenager who lives in ukraine and does videos about her life in a bomb shelter and they are they're touching they're witty they're surprising they're enlightening so yeah don't so they, i totally changed my mind on that i was like way too dismissive of tiktok uh.
0: Yeah, I, I want to go back to something that you had, you had mentioned a few minutes ago, is um you, you had briefly mentioned that sometimes there is an unpleasantness to the things that you're learning and that you're going through. And I'm and again, just being uh, somewhat familiar with your work, I know that you've had to go through a lot of unpleasant things in, in the learning. And so at, at one point or another, we're all going to find ourselves in that place to where it's like, we just like, we got to do it. And it's unpleasant and we don't like it. Um, what has helped you in those times to wherever it's that unpleasantness and you still gotta do it?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Oh yeah, I I mean, that is certainly for me one of the main themes of my books is that, you know, I put myself in these terrible positions uh that are not all, not usually not physically painful, but sometimes, but often socially painful. And just to give a couple of examples, like I, um, I did, uh, an experiment for one of my books called radical honesty, where I had to say everything that was on my mind, no filter. And that was just terrible. You know, just saying like when people, a friend of my wife's who said, oh, we should all get together. And I had to say, you seem nice, but I just don't have time or interest and it was just horrible. I felt terrible anyway, that's just an example of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so lots of difficult positions uh, because you have to go through that to get to the good stuff. you have to see what sometimes uh, you know pain it pain really does cause gain. So I guess um, my strategies for embracing the difficulties might include, um, one, just, uh, being able to see it almost with, um, a second head and being, and saying to myself, you know, this is going to be a good story one day that I can do something with this, uh, realizing that it's a learning experience that it, you know, I do love the mantra about, uh, there is no failing. There's just succeeding and learning and, you know, every failure is, uh, is an education. And I, uh, I have certainly had lots of education <laughs> in that respect. Um another is um uh, I guess just uh yeah again seeing the um uh, I lost my train of thought. So there you go. No. But that but those were two uh two strategies yeah. uh that I use.
0: Yeah. What um what else helps you just when whenever you're really wanting to learn, you know about one of those big subjects, what are the things that you tend to do to get get like your hands or get a greater understanding around it?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I mean, one thing is, I'll pick a topic. So I picked, as I say, I picked one of my books was about trying to thank every single person who had anything to do with my morning cup of coffee. Just so you can realize how many hundreds of people contribute. So it's not just the barista, but it's also the farmer in South America. It's the guy who drove the coffee truck and the guy who made the tires for the coffee truck and, and on and on. So I would say one one strategy I have is, even though I was never particularly obsessed with coffee, I had this idea that you know uh, I should try to thank a thousand people for something small in my life. And just realizing that every everything in our lives, our lives, has hundreds of layers, so much nuance, so many fascinating, complicated twists and turns. So I once interviewed Alex Trebek, the late great Jeopardy host, and he had this quote that I love that it doesn't on the surface, it doesn't totally make sense, but it really resonates with me. And his quote was, I'm curious about everything, even those things that don't interest me. Hmm. And I love that because I think it's true. Whatever the topic is, there's always going to take, take whatever it could be the most stereotypically boring topic, like accounting. Everyone makes fun of accounting. Uh, and I've, Thought about maybe I should do a book on accounting, just to prove there are so many fascinating a- aspects of accounting. Because accounting is really just about about life and trying to, you know, figure out the pluses and the minuses. And uh, you know, it represents people's actions. It's not just a bunch of numbers. It represents our life. Uh, so I never have done that. But that would be an interesting challenge. Can I make a fascinating book about the most boring topic ever? Uh, I think that would be an interesting challenge.
0: Yeah, that is that is such an intriguing idea of, you know, that that Alex Trebek quote that you mentioned of being curious about the things that even aren't interesting to us. Because, um, you know, you know, I'm sure as many of our listeners I've heard, you know, you, you follow your curiosity and the things that you're interested in and stuff like that, Um is there any difference that you've noticed in like how to pursue the things that you are interested in versus the things that you aren't interested in being curious about those things?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, I love that your podcast is basically the embodiment of this idea. You, you interview people on every topic under the sun. So, so I'm honored particularly to be, yeah. Um, Well, one thing is uh, I think you've got to force yourself to to dig in uh, because once you get under, you know, once you dig down a little, then that's where the fascinating stuff is. And this has been a big lesson in, in many of my books, the idea of, act, uh, of sort of the exter- external behavior affects your internal emotions and that you sort of have to fake it till you feel it. You have to force yourself, uh, when i was doing the book on gratitude i would force myself to write these thank you notes or go visit people in person to thank them for the for making the you know the steel that made the coffee roaster and i would hate i would wake up in a really grumpy mood and not not want to do this at all but i would force myself to do it and after a, a couple of hours of acting as if i was grateful then it, my mind would catch up, and I, I would start to actually feel it. So yeah, if even if you're not feeling curious, act as if you're curious, <laughs> and you will become curious.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, um, what have you learned about learning to ask like deep, like questions that lead to like that get under the surface, or questions that help you learn to like a greater extent.
1: I would say um well one thing is to try to be as genuine as possible and really just uh you know look at them and be interested another would be um to uh wait i lost my train of thought again i hope (laughs) (laughs) hope you can edit this out but you know what at least leave one of them in to show that there's nothing wrong with (laughs) mistakes because i am a big believer and and failure leads to success but uh, but anyway, um, going back to, well, one one method I have when I'm interviewing people, which I find very helpful, is that I try not to make it a one-way conversation. So I try to share something about myself or share something interesting that they may not know, and that will generate them to have energy to share about themselves or share. So feeding their curiosity as well Mm -hmm. while you're learning from them so make it a two-way
0: street i find
1: that very effective
0: uh what are some i don't know maybe underrated or like underestimated parts of learning that you wish more people either knew about or invested in
1: that's an interesting question i would say well i'm a big fan of experiential learning Mm -hmm. so even though you know, it's ironic because I write books, so I hope people (laughs) learn from books. But, uh, but when I, when I write the books, I love to experience it. That's where it's all about. So that was part of the idea of my book about religion and the Bible. It was, I know nothing about it. What if, what if I learned by doing, what if I followed all the rules of the Bible as literally as possible? So that meant the 10 commandments, no coveting, but it also meant growing a huge beard. (laughs) It also meant uh, stoning adulterers, uh, which is in the Hebrew scriptures. And I I used very small stones like pebbles, (laughs) so no one got really hurt. But that is a fascinating, to me, a a wonderful way to learn, because uh, you feel it, um, experiences happen that would never happen. People tell you about uh, you know, just having the beard and walking around when I would go traveling, people would tell me their experiences about their beards. They would, um, you know, rabbis would tell me why the Bible says you should have a beard. What, What is the purpose? And, and there were like, you know, 20 different theories. I don't know which one is true. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was that, uh, you know, if you are a righteous man with a beard and you you fall, slip and fall uh, into hell, then God can reach down and pull you up by your beard. I'm not sure that, that <laughs> I've never read that. No. So, yeah, but it's, you know, it was fascinating. It sparked yeah. conversation. So doing it, going in and do learning by doing, I'm a big fan of.
0: Yeah. I I would be curious to hear, you know, in, in all of the different uh, pursuits that you've had, is there any like I don't know if patterns is the right word or just recurring things That's like, man, I'm like, maybe you're like surprised or like, man, I can't believe this is showing up again.
1: Oh yeah. I love the question. And absolutely. There are several recurring themes. One that occurs to me right off the top of my head is connectedness Mm -hmm. because just the idea that for instance, with the gratitude book where I thanked a thousand people that made my cup of coffee, that the coffee does cannot appear without hundreds of people all connected all over the world, working to make it happen. Uh, same thing with, um, uh, my book on uh, the largest family tree. It was all about how everyone on earth is related by blood. The farthest cousin you have on earth is probably about a 50th cousin. So we're all connected that way. Um, the health book, even there was uh, your, every part of your body is connected, you know, stress is connected to your health. It's not just that you can have isolate, you know, I'm just going to work on my abs and I'm going to be healthy. No, you got to do stress and sleep and, and also being connected to the outside world is healthy. There are a lot of studies about the dangers of loneliness. And Mm -hmm. there are some books now about the, pandemic of loneliness and the other pandemic. Uh, So being connected to the outside world, having close-knit group of family or friends, that is very important to your health. So connectedness and health. And I could go on, but that's the basic ideas. I love the, you know, nothing is that no person, to paraphrase John Donne, no person is an island. Uh, Everything is is interconnected.
0: Yeah, any other uh, patterns or anything like that that have shown up in your work?
1: Well, one I mentioned earlier is the idea that of faking it till you yeah. feel it, that showed up in many. Um, I would say gratitude showed up in a lot, the The Bible book, um, the being grateful to be part of the human race yeah. for the uh, and have a family of 7 billion people. That was a, a, a big one. Oh, and, and of course, the the meta theory theme of them all is the one we talked about first, curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think that curious, uh, uh, the catch for the sort of the motto and catchphrase of my new book is don't get furious, get curious. I really think that that is, we have so many problems now and it's so easy to get angry and outraged. And I do often but that's not a good way to find the solution. The solution will be when we get curious as to how can we fix it? What has gone wrong? What can we do? So that has been the theme of my life, mm-hmm.
0: curiosity. Uh, another thing that you know, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on is how do you um, continue to learn and yet still like create? as well like whether it be like books and everything because like that that's something that I'm trying to figure out right now is like how do I keep learning while at the same time like I'm working on this pro like this project (laughs) that I'm trying to put together that's
1: a great question
0: I guess part of my
1: part of my passion for learning is not just so I can understand it but so that I can share it with others so when I figure something out that I think is important so that is a big motivator um because, yeah, if I was just consuming it all for myself, I would consider it, a, a, you know, sort of a bit of a sad waste. But now I can, uh, you know, share it with others and hopefully make their lives better. And that is what motivates me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is there is there anything, and I guess this is more of like maybe like your, like your writing process, like do you take a break from learning like during the writing process or what does that look like?
1: Well, that's a good question. My my books are very much I I have to do two things. I have to do this crazy immersive, full on research uh, dive deep dive into the topic, and I have to write the book. Uh, I much prefer the deep dive. I am not a fan of sitting alone in a room, uh, hunched over my keyboard, you know, just. Going sentence by sentence. That is hard. That's that's the least, you know. I know it's ironic, but as the writer, my least favorite part of my job is writing. Mm. My favorite part is learning and talking about it, talking to you. I actually I love this part yeah. of the writing process. But the writing itself is is very challenging. But you know, (laughs) I wouldn't have anything to talk about if I didn't write. So there are a couple of ways I motivate myself. One is I really do try to think I, you know, this, uh, it's almost like community service. If you do believe, which I believe, you know, like your podcast, I believe is helping people by, by educating them. So if you believe you are doing good, then that's a motivator, uh, so, you, you know, you're you're helping the world. You are. So that really does keep me motivated when I when I'm saying I just don't want to write. I say to myself, you know what, this could help someone this could, you know, like the gratitude book, for instance, this could be someone who is just down in the dumps, they might read this and and realize that gratitude is, is a wonderful tool. Uh, so that's one way. Another way is to publicly announce that I'm going to write a book so that, you know, there's stakes and I'll be humiliated by my friends if I don't. Another is to sign a book contract, (laughs) like you have to pay the money back if you don't. So there are a lot of ways to motivate yourself
0: yeah um i'd be i'd be interested to hear what have what have you felt like you've gained from pursuing all of these different subjects as opposed to maybe focusing on like one specific subject for um or committing to yourself to learning about one specific subject you know for kind of your career or your lifetime
1: yeah well i think they both are they both have their pros and cons uh You know thank god there are some people who are are deeply committed to uh, physics or or learning how to cure cancer because if everyone was just switching around from topic to topic that could be a disaster but on the other hand i mean i feel i'm extremely lucky because i've gotten so many widespread experiences and then i can connect them and make these weird connections between you know like my new book is is on puzzles, and I can connect it to, uh, you know, I did a book about health, so I can talk about the the brain and neuroplasticity within puzzles. So it just gives me a much broader base to come up with creative ideas, and I love that. And and I do think, you know, back in the eighteen hundreds, you could be you could you could be a lawyer who also was a uh, you know, uh, who studied mollusks, who was also a fashion designer, who is also a novelist. And those were the heyday. that was the heyday of the Renaissance man, Renaissance mm-hmm. person. Well, uh, you know, you could be a generalist and it's become much, much harder. So I feel lucky that I'm able to, to have this sort of this poo poo platter, this buffet yeah. where
0: I can choose. Yeah. Any, anything that has, um, because I, I would say I I'd probably tend more to lean towards the generalist as well. Uh, any, anything that you would say like, Hey, that this is something that has helped you be more of a generalist. Oh yeah. Well,
1: I'm a huge fan. I there's a guy who wrote a book called the polymath uh, and polymath of course means, you know, someone who knows about all sorts of different topics and, and, uh, I was interviewed for it, which was very nice because you know the other people were real polymaths that he <laughs> talked about, like Leonardo da Vinci and <laughs> you know uh, Goethe. Those are like true polymaths. I'm just uh, a, you know uh, sort of a uh, a wannabe, but he um, he makes the argument: we need more polymaths, we need more generalists like you, because that's exactly the big problems now require thinking. That spans many different categories and genres, and uh, so I I agree. I think that there is uh, where are generalists are are very important. That there have to be some in society because otherwise everyone's in their own little silo yeah. and uh, and can't break out.
0: Man, I'm going to have to check. So it's called The Polymath. Is that right?
1: Yeah, The Polymath. Okay. I forget the subtitle. No. but It was basically in defense of generalists. Okay. In defense. Oh. And there was actually another book that was very popular called Range. He might have even interviewed. Yeah. The, yep. yeah.
0: He's been on the, David Epstein. Yep. He was on the yeah. podcast. He's yep. been on.
1: Well, he is. Uh, you know, that's basically his thesis, too, yeah. is that you should try a bunch of different things and learn different uh, areas before you specialize yeah. and uh, I'm a fan
0: yeah well as, as we've mentioned a couple of times uh, about this you know your brand new book is called the puzzler and I would just love to hear the story of what led you led your curiosity to puzzles
1: well sure I have I have loved puzzles since I was a kid uh, so I used to draw these enormous mazes on the living room floor and I would play games magazine and and crosswords And I was doing this other book about truth and I was miserable because I couldn't get a handle on it. It was too big a topic. And my agent knew I was a puzzle obsessive and said, why don't you just write about your passion for puzzles? And I said, that is interesting because puzzles are such a broad topic. They, because they are, they're about curiosity. They're all about my favorite, all of my favorite topics, curiosity, creative thinking, um, innovation, surprise, secrets, uncovering secrets, information, um, the truth, everything is, is, can be covered in puzzles. And I I mean, puzzles in the big, you know, I do, as you know, I have a chapter on jigsaws, which we talked about, but that is one of, 15 different types of puzzles I covered. Uh, And I could have covered 100. But this, because anything to me, anything that involves a mystery or innovative thinking can be classified as a puzzle. So I have, of course, crosswords and sudokus, Rubik's cubes, but also secret codes, Japanese puzzle boxes, um, uh, anagrams. I've uh, I've got, uh, unsolvable puzzles, but I also talk about the puzzles, the big puzzles, puzzles of life, but what is the meaning of life? What is, uh, you know, how can we solve the climate crisis? How can we solve the cultural divide? Those are big puzzles. And my idea is by solving the little puzzles, it trains you
0: how to solve the big puzzles. Hmm. Yeah. Can you tease that out a little bit more about how the, the little puzzles can kind of lead to us, you know, honing our, our puzzle solving skills for the bigger puzzles? Oh, sure. Well, I think it's a lot. Puzzles
1: teach you all sorts of great uh, techniques. Grit. They teach you innovative thinking, looking at it from a new angle. Um, And I'll just give you one one of many examples was, um, I love this puzzle. It's actually a story of a a great mathematician, a, a German mathematician named Gauss from like the 1600s. And he was nine years old. And the teacher said, uh, okay. want well, the assignment is to add up the numbers between one and a hundred, and Gauss's hand shot up two seconds later, and the teacher said, "What? You can't. Be, you can't have done that that quickly. What is? What are you trying to pull?" And he says, "No, I did it. I did it." And and he explained the way he did it. the the way that we would normally go about it would start by adding a hundred plus nine or one plus two is three plus three is six plus four is 10 and, and go on and on and on. But what he did is he took a step back and he said, is there a better way to solve this? Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm going to, I realized if you take one, the top and bottom number, a hundred plus one is a hundred and one 99 plus two also 101. 98 plus three, 101. And there are only 50 of those. So 101 times 50, 5,050. It's not that hard. So that is a genius. Uh, and But I think, think it's generalizable because when you're presented with a problem, don't just dive in and start doing the nitty gritty. Take a step back. Look at the big picture. Is there a better way to do this? Is there another way? I mean, to me, that's the mRNA vaccine was this, you know, they, they said, is there another way to do this? How about we create this vaccine that cre- that makes parts of the, uh, parts of the protein instead of the whole protein. And, uh, so they're just dozens of examples of, of how puzzle like thinking like that can apply to your own life.
0: Yeah, what surprised you, or what are a couple of the things that surprised you the most in learning about puzzles?
1: Well, so much it's hard to ch- to choose. I mean, surprise <laughs> is such a big part of puzzles. One one part I loved was just I was surprised by how passionate these groups of puzzlers were, and to me, they represent grit in the, the best sense of the world. Word, just the tenacity and. Stick to itiveness. There's a famous puzzle. I went to visit the headquarters of the CIA um, because in Langley, Virginia, because it is home to one of the great unsolved puzzles of the world. It is a sculpture uh, called Kryptos. It's a big metal wall with thousands of letters on it, and it's actually a secret code. And it's been around 30 years. There are hundreds, thousands of people working all the time to try to solve this secret code. And even the CIA, where it's right in the middle of this, they haven't solved it. Uh, they've, they've solved parts of it. People have solved about three of the four big uh, ciphers. But there are, I st- I'm on an email list. I still get 10 emails a day of people saying, well what if it's uh, Roman numerals? What if it's Morse code? What if it's uh, and I just love it. This they've been doing it for 30 years and they're not giving up. And you know, I help my kids with their homework sometimes and you know, we'll want to give up on a math problem after 3 minutes and I say to myself and them, these cryptos people have been working for 30 years and you know, we can put in another couple of minutes.
0: Yeah uh one thing that I wanted to ask you about is um how or how do you go about like finding like the the truth or like the lesson in something that could be as trivial whether that be um, a puzzle or even the gratitude exercise that you're talking about or anything like that how have you um gotten good about like just observing like the the truth or the lesson in something simple
1: wherever you are you can extract different lessons from it. Uh, If you just, again, are curious and open-minded enough, uh, one of my chapters is about mazes, and these people are just obsessed with mazes. And I went to uh, the Vermont, which has the hardest corn maze in the world. It's just, it makes people burst into tears. Couples break up. Fathers have left their kids there because they're so frustrated. And I asked the guy who, who designed it, who he, he sort of s- sits on a platform above the maze and, and observes. And I said, well, what lessons have you taken from it? And he says, well, one big lesson is flexible thinking people. If they're flexible thinkers, they're going to solve it. If they are stubborn and inflexible, they're just going to go down, he said, especially young male, like teenage males, uh, they'll, they'll go down a corridor, they'll hit a wall and they'll turn around and then they'll do it again. And they'll just keep banging their head against the wall. Like I'm right, I'm the right, I, I don't. So they refuse to be able to pivot and be flexible. And I love that. That is a perfect lesson to take away. But there were, you know, eight other lessons yeah. he told me there's the lesson of um, sometimes in life you have to go the long way around. Uh, There's the lesson of that um, you should, you have to notice every little thing, like you pay attention to where the trees are and where the clouds are. So to me, wherever you look, you can find lessons. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like a where's Waldo where I have, which I have in my book as a section on that kind of puzzle, you know, look around and there will be lessons.
0: Yeah. What have you learned about, you know, engaging with or working with puzzles or problems that don't have easy answers to them?
1: Yeah, I have, I, I wrestle with a lot of these puzzles that are super hard and super challenging. And one one lesson I love is, uh, I met the I met the uh, Godfather of Sudoku is what he was called. He's the man who introduced Sudoku to the world, and he had a lovely three symbol summary of puzzles, uh, which is question mark, forward arrow, exclamation point. Mm. So it's bafflement, struggle revelation. And it's not just for puzzles. That's, that's a, you know, a lot of life is question mark forward arrow. Excellent. Stories are often structured that way. And he says the key to happiness is to enjoy the arrow. You got to enjoy the arrow. You can't all, it can't be all about the exclamation point as much as he wanted to. You've got to enjoy the struggle and, and the process and the journey. And I love that. So that, that is one secret. And actually at the end of the book, I help uh, I, I co-create the hardest puzzle ever, ever created by humans uh, that will never be solved literally because it would take the universe. will Uh, run out of energy before this puzzle can be solved because it requires so many um it's a mechanical puzzle that requires so many movements of these little pegs so there the exclamation point will never be reached so you got to enjoy that arrow
0: yeah uh i know that we we've covered a a ton of different things and in this conversation, is there anything as it pertains to, you know, puzzles or learning or just anything, any subject that we've talked about that uh, is just coming to mind and that you want to make sure that we cover?
1: That's a good question. Give me one sec. I mean, I am excited about this book yeah. because um, partly it's not just... This book, I tried to make different from any other book I've written because I wanted to make it interactive. So it's not just about puzzles and about my experiences, but it's got hundreds of puzzles, like historical, the oldest puzzles, and the newest puzzles, original puzzles. Uh, so that uh, I think hopefully will appeal to people and make a good gift for, a puzzle, for puzzle fans. I also, um, I think we had discussed this in our email, that uh i have embedded a secret code yes in the in the book and so that is if you figure out the code then you can put it into the website the puzzlerbook.com website and then that'll open up to this very cool uh puzzle hunt which I didn't design, that's why I feel fine saying it's very cool. These amazing puzzle designers designed it and it's like a series of dozens of puzzles. And the first one to finish them gets the actual $10,000 prize, like real real money. Um, you have to live in the US, you have to be 18, there are all these things on the yeah. Puzzler website that you can look, but, uh, but I'm very excited about that.
0: Yeah. And if people want to, you know, keep up with you, AJ and, you know, get the book, all of that other good stuff, where should people go to do those things?
1: My website is ajjacobs.com. And then there's the puzzlerbook.com website. Uh, and then there's my Twitter, AJ Jacobs. And, and, uh, uh, and my, on my website, you can email me. I love to hear from people. uh so tell me how you're doing with the puzzles. If you need hints, things like that. Uh, you know, this was meant to be my most interactive book ever. So I, I want to hear
0: from you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And thanks for doing the work.
1: Well, thank you for doing the work. Thank you for, for spreading the gospel
0: of curiosity. So coming out of that conversation with AJ, there's a few different takeaways, um, uh, that, that I've just had for the conversation I think the first one is this is learning to push through the discomfort or sometimes the unpleasantness that can come from from learning and you know I, I hadn't really thought about it uh before but particularly as I guess it, and it even goes back to what he was saying about experiential learning is that that is whenever a lot of this discomfort comes or the unpleasantness is going to come. I guess it, I guess it also can come whenever we're learning about subjects that might be difficult for us, or it might be, um, subjects or material that, uh, that confronts us with maybe uncomfortable truths as well. I guess that could also be the unpleasantness, but it, I think it's important for us to engage with those things because that one, a lot of times they help give us a better perspective, in that, and they help us grow. They help us become better at um, at dealing with the uncomfortableness or the discomfort of life, which sometimes it's just there, and we don't necessarily like it, but it is a part of life. And I think it's important for us to wrestle and to be able to handle those uncomfortable things. And I think. guess it's important because if we want to continue to grow you know as as people and we want to continue to become healthier as people then that's going to require us to face some uncomfortable or some some discomforting things in our life and so i think that's one piece of it's just learning to to deal with that that unpleasantness that uncomfortability if i can uh, make up a word in that and i think the The second thing that really stood out to me is this quote that he mentioned from uh, Alex Trebek and that it's, I'm curious about everything, even subjects that don't interest me. And, you know, that, that was just uh, a, you know, as we mentioned in the conversation, I guess that's something that I'm uh, working on changing my mind about because, yeah, it's so easy to become interested in, in the things that, um, that we're interested in. In. but what about the things that we aren't interested in? And sometimes part of it is also, I guess, realizing that there might be something important in in things that we find uninteresting now. Yeah. So I would say those are, those are a couple of things that I'm thinking about from this conversation and so I would love to hear from you as well and some of the things that you're learning from the best way to reach out to me is learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you're learning about whether that be from this conversation previous conversations or just things that you're learning in general I would love to hear from you and yeah if you enjoyed this conversation make sure that you subscribe to my newsletter which shares a lot of the different things that I'm learning from as well and you know i think that's one of the tough things that can happen is that there's a lot of things out there and you know how do you how do you find uh some of the things to learn from and that's what i want to do i kind of want to be your curator for you and so you can check out uh, my newsletter there uh, subscribe to the podcast leave a rating write a review all that good stuff as well uh, i think that's all that i have for today thanks to sam Massey for providing the music for this podcast and thanks to aj for being on the podcast as well. That's all that I have for today. And so until next time, I guess my name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.